If we have any goals this season, absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. You know, just trying to lead the guys to touchdown drives each and every drive. Bears Nation. Time for Fields now. He'll accelerate to get the first down and break tackles, and he's after the races. Oh, he got a terrific block down there by Mooney. He's in for six. 61-yard touchdown run by the quarterback, Justin Fields. Speed. Yeah, I saw speed and uh, his elusiveness, and then once he gets into the open field, he runs away from pretty much most people. It's so fun watching him make plays, give us opportunities, give the entire offense opportunities to keep driving the ball. We just, it, it just felt right. The best in the city of Chicago. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka. One of the best kept secrets. I like that. I know you're going to dig this. And Jake Hassan. I'm by winning. Did we just become best friends? Yep. I win here and I win there. Now what? Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet State. Yo, are y'all ready for the show? Strap it in. It's Bears Nation, baby. Welcome in Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, November 7th, and I'm determined, Kevin Lapka, that on this show, even if the Bears don't win the game now, as long as Justin Fields plays well and plays as well as he did against the Miami Dolphins, it's a victory Monday because that's the ideal way to lose, so much so that it's basically a win for you and that team because as we've stated multiple times on this show, Bears Nation podcast with by myself, Jake Hassan, Kevin Lapka. That season is about Justin Fields' development and getting better as a quarterback and securing a high enough draft pick that allows you to take an elite offensive lineman or an elite wide receiver or possibly an elite defensive lineman. That's what the season has become over the last couple of weeks. So now mm-hmm. I'm officially declaring that when games go the way that they did yesterday against the Miami Dolphins, it's as good as a victory Monday. And I hear – from this moment going forward, I will declare it as such. So happy good. victory Monday to Bears Nation. Welcome into Bears Nation podcast. It's a good Monday, Kevin. It's a good Monday. Oh, it's a great Monday. I mean, if you really think about it, when have you felt this good as a Bears fan? And like it take away 2018. Like take away 2018. Draft draft day 2021. Yeah. I mean, and and if you take away that, you take draft you take 2018 away like and he, honestly, even including 2018, like, I, like I, it's on the same level for me no, because no, it is. No, it it's is. Not. It's not. Because you, it is. For no, me, it's it not. is. And I'll tell you, you why. Okay, fine. For Yes. Okay, fine. I'll allow that. For your personal biases. It's good for me because it's making me look right over and over and over again. And I love it. Thank you, Justin. I've defended this guy for a year now. And finally, uh, pull, I'm going to pull back the receipts. I'm going to pull them out. And say, yeah, this See, I was okay. on this all I was along, wondering okay? when we were going to get to this. Because you had a tweet today saying, like, oh, don't everyone switch up now. This is, you know, yeah. we don't want you now. Like, you stand your ground, blah, blah, blah. And I consider myself part of the crowd that that tweet was directed at. Because I was on the show saying, I don't know if Justin <laughs> Fields is the guy. I don't know. And I'm, I know maybe you had me in mind when you said that. Maybe you didn't. You were... You were mentioning Rex Ryan on ESPN's Get Up yeah. because he was saying this morning, oh, Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback, so on and so forth. And he's not alone. A lot That's a lot of people. I will say that, you know, and sure there were people at, on draft day that were like, I don't know if Justin Fields is the guy. I don't know if this is the right pick. I was now speaking for myself personally. I was on this show, you know, four weeks in, three weeks in, saying, I don't know if Justin Fields has what it takes. I don't know if Justin Fields is the guy. Now, I don't consider it switching up. And I don't consider it being like, oh, well, you know, 
Because if I if they, if it were switching up, I'd be saying, "Oh, I was always here too." Yeah, I always believe. No, I'll come out and blatantly say, "Yeah, I sure, said those yeah. things." I completely said that I wasn't sure Justin Fields could be the guy. I came on this show and said I wasn't sure Justin Fields was a lock for the roster next year, and I will readily and completely admit that I was wrong. Yeah, like he proved me wrong at that moment in time, though. We can all agree Justin Fields was not playing up to the pedigree that we had expected and that we had hoped for. And that I think some of those at that time doubts were viable. And I think they were warranted because of the way that the bears offense and Justin Fields had been playing. Now, since then, Justin Fields has completely turned it around. He looks like a franchise quarterback. He looks like a pro bowl quarterback. He looks like to Kevin Lapka's point from a couple weeks ago, a guy that could be a top two quarterback in the NFC. And I think that's just the way and the nature of the beast of the NFL and that things will happen and things change and things are fluid, especially for young quarterbacks, especially for guys that are finding their footing. But I'm not going to try and go back and say, oh, no, I never said, oh, I always knew. No, I had my doubts about Justin Fields. And I'm very happy to say I've been proven wrong and I'm all in. Yeah, he proved it. And I said, and when I said those things, I said, he can prove me wrong. He could go out here and have this stretch and completely ball. And I said this to Joe Ostrowski this morning. I'm back you all daily. He said, are we jumping the shark? Are we getting too over-invested? I said, no, because this isn't just like the Vikings game where it was one half standalone. This is now three weeks in a row that Justin Fields has played incredibly well, has played out of his mind, and seemingly only getting better. You look at yesterday's game, yeah, the passing yards weren't there. He didn't even clear 150 yards. He threw three touchdowns, though, and he threw with conviction. And he should have had more, if not for penalties, that were not called as well. So it's that he's evolving. You know, this isn't a game... I think if this happened a year ago, you know, we'd, we'd be focusing on, oh, all he did was run. And if you look at the box score, sure, that, that, that's all you saw. All he did was run. And granted, the 61-yard touchdown run helps that. But you also have to consider the types of throws that were made. And that the three – I mean, the touchdown throw to Darnell Mooney was absolutely unbelievable. And you have to consider the throw to Equinomia St. Brown that ended the game. That is what we've been saying the entire time. That, you know, this wide receiver core is not doing him any favors. Yep. And that that and you saw it. Equinomia St. Brown, jail. I tweeted it. Jail for Equinomia St. Brown because it hit him right in the center of the hand. And he dropped it. Went right through his hands. He saw he fell to the ground. He's like, oh my God, I am such a doofus. Yeah. And yeah, three weeks ago I did say I wanted the Bears to go in the draft and find another quarterback. Yeah, I, I again I will completely admit to saying that because up to that point, the play weren't, and I don't think I said, Yeah, you absolutely have to. I said if you're at one or two, you have to at least consider taking Stroud or Young. And I stand by those comments at that moment in time. Now, three weeks later, things have changed. Justin Fields has played like the guy that we thought he could be. And as long as that continues, which we have every reason to believe that it will, because again, look at what he's playing with and look at what he's accomplishing with guys like Economia St. Brown and Dante Pettis. Yeah, it looks like he's that guy. He proved me wrong. Yes. That's 100% facts. And I have no problem admitting that. Like at that time, prior to the, you know, prior to the Patriots game, we all, Justin Fields was struggling. He didn't look like a guy that was going to stick in the league as a top tier starting quarterback. I, I respect you for owning up on your take, right? That, that is the, the, the main difference is, is owning up on it. Cause you see a lot of the national media guys start to turn around and say, Oh, Justin, yeah, he's a franchise guy. And you know, okay, let's address what you were talking about five years ago. They don't do what you just did. And they're not going to admit that they were wrong, you know, but I just knew all along, like there were just too many factors. And I think when you look at it now and you see what has occurred in the last three weeks you kind of look in hindsight and again hindsight's always 2020 you look back and you think well maybe it was always supposed to take this long right and i too admit 
uh, where I was wrong was I seriously doubted Luke Getzey, and I think everybody did. Like we, we were all, not sure. We were like, all in that boat. We were questioning whether the guy could be fired, and now there's a different question I'll raise to you later in the show regarding him. But it was you're right. Like it objectively was bad. Now I was always in it because I saw the raw talent, Justin. Because I knew I've seen this kid since Ohio State. I knew what he has in him. And I knew that at some point that would come out. And there were just too many factors influencing his play in a negative way that I couldn't be out in him at that point. I understand to a certain extent why people in the national media could have like looked at a box score the first five weeks of the season and said, this guy is terrible without understanding how bad the offensive line was for that period of time, without understanding how the play calling was not adapting to his strengths and playing to his strengths without understanding just how bad the, the, the receivers were. You know, for those first five weeks, I get it. But for us being involved in it and seeing it firsthand, you know, ever since training camp and this year, like we knew we knew and we should have known that, hey, this this was supposed to probably take at least five weeks to kind of understand, not just get the players to understand the playbook, but understand what you want to do on offense. Right. Get these guys to buy in and then go trade for a guy like Chase play. Claypool bringing some talent like in hindsight it makes sense that oh they hit their stride in week six and now we go right it, it's very rare for a first-year play caller and a first-year offense with a ton of young players to just hit their stride immediately the first couple weeks of the season so in hindsight yeah maybe it was supposed to take this long but it doesn't matter the past is the past we have arrived now and the bears answered so many questions for you on sunday and have the past three weeks that you have such a clear direction of where this franchise is going. And this is why I say the feeling to me is similar to 2018 because the wins and everything felt amazing in 2018. And, and you knew you were going to make the playoffs and you knew you had a pretty good chance of making a run, you know, to the title because of how good that defense was. But even at that period of time, like the future, the future was there, right? You assumed that, okay, Mitch is maybe the guy, right? But right. did you really believe that Mitch would be a guy who would, who, who would lead you to a Super Bowl? Because in 2018, you knew, hey, if we do make it to the Super Bowl that year, it's because in the NFC Championship, like, our defense is not going to allow more than 10 points. Like, that's the reason. Like, you knew in the back of your mind, Mitch can get you there, potentially, but he won't lead you there. And now, why I feel like it's the similar feeling for me in 2022 based off the excitement is because you have a guy who can get you there now. In the most important position in all of sports, you have the question answered. The longest, hardest question for the Chicago Bears franchise to answer in their history is, is this the guy that can lead us to the Super Bowl, that can put the team on his back when they need him the most? And, and the answer to that question is yes. And we've never been able to say yes to that question in the history of this franchise since Sid Luckman. So to me, that means just as much because I look into the future now and I look into 2023, as early as 2023. And I think you can see a team that is going to make a legitimate shot to the NFC Championship, a, a legitimate run, at least for the NFC North. And they're doing it because of the quarterback. And in this era of the NFL, that's what you need to have. You're not seeing defenses win you championships anymore. The guys who win, who take you to the title, who win it, are doing it because the quarterback put the team on their back. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford last year. You can go on and on and on. Go back to every single Super Bowl winner in the past eight years, aside from probably a couple few. It's because they have a quarterback who can get them there and a quarterback who puts them over the top. Bears have that guy, and that is why I'm the most excited I've ever been since 2018.
I think the distinction you have to make when you talk about this versus 2018 is Justin Fields proved yesterday that you have a guy that, and, and this goes to your point of look at all the premier teams in the NFL right now. Your quarterback is the type of quarterback that lifts up everyone else around him. Despite right. the talent not being the best around him, he drags those guys along with him. Hits Equinomia St. Brown right in the hands on a crucial fourth and 10 that would have extended the game. And maybe you go and win the game. Who knows? He you know, continues to make plays with subpar talent, especially, you know, past the, you know, top two receivers and, and maybe the tight end, we'll see, you know, we'll get to that in a minute, but you have to add things around him. But the thing is, you know, you have that guy that can make those plays that can pump fake a defender out or make that split second decision to say, actually, I need to run here instead of in. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop this throw and keep it. And actually, I'm just going to take off. Or hit a receiver on a hard throw on fourth and 10 and hit him right in the hands. Or make a crazy throw, a perfect throw, which granted a great catch, but also a great throw to allow oh, yeah. you know, you know, that touchdown catch to be made. He's the type of talent that is going to elevate everyone else around him. So once you add a couple other guys, maybe that is a Jackson Smith and Jigba, whether that is maybe another tight end, maybe that's another couple receivers. Maybe and once you put an actual offensive line in front of him outside of just, you know. Tevin Jenkins and Cody Whitehair, and maybe Braxton Jones. We'll see. But once you get a full roster on this, guys, then you go. Then you can hit the ground running. Because right now, and back to my original point of the difference between this and 2018 is 2018, the defense, which you alluded to, was dragging everyone else. Yeah, you had Allen right. Robinson, and that was great. And he was an above average wide receiver on your team. And you had a solid running game. So, but that defense was dragging you forward, really despite the quarterback, despite the limitations of the offense. What we're seeing right now is the opposite, is that this offense and this quarterback can keep you in a game despite the defense being basically a a seat, being a spaghetti strainer, you know? (laughs) Like, that's basically what's happening, and that's the difference (laughs) because that is far more sustainable, especially when you have a quarterback on the second year of his rookie deal. Because And especially with the Bears, when you have as much money as you do for next year, and now, according to Tankathon, you're back in the top 10 of the NFL draft projections, mm. too. Right now, season ends today, you have the eighth overall pick, and there's still teams in front of you that probably you'll end up passing because right now you're tied in the win column. I don't with- know, though, because they have a pretty soft schedule coming up, and if they continue to play this well offensively, well, that, uh, but might that, win but then four you all- in a row. But you also have Minnesota again, and then you still have Jack, uh, not Jacksonville. Sorry, I'm looking at Jacksonville right now. Buffalo. You still have Philadelphia and Buffalo as well to go through. So tougher games. But, you know, Arizona, they should probably get one more win. Maybe Jacksonville can get one more win than you. So you could be really, I I don't think you're going to pass Detroit, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Carolina, or Houston at this point. But you could get to just outside the top five here. But the point being that, you're going to be in this position that you're hoping for. You're going to have a top 10 draft pick. You're going to have all this money. And you don't have to worry about the quarterback. Justin Fields now three weeks in a row. And probably, again, a great matchup against the Lions where you can make it four great weeks in a row, matchup. too. So to your point, Kevin, just to really hammer this home, like you are, you have figured out that the quarterback can elevate you and keep you in these games with his, not only his legs, but also his arm. And you can figure out the rest as you go over this next, you know, spring and summer. You said in the beginning about, you know, Joe asked you on uh, your show today about whether it was like too, are we reading too much into it? What did he say exactly? He said, are we too over the moon? Are we, are we jumping the shark? Are we, you know, are we, 
are we yes. getting too like you know, are we over are we over analyzing this? Are we getting too invested too early? The answer to that question regarding Justin Fields is no. But here's where I see Bears fans doing this is all of a sudden you see the point totals go up. You see, okay, pretty much mm-hmm. three games in a row with 30 plus points. Again, that Patriots game, not that Patriots game. Uh, yeah. uh no, no, no. Patriots game was 30, but then the game after that, why am I Dallas. linking uh Dallas? You should have had 30, but you missed a two extra point, right? So I'll I'll call it three 30-point games in a row for the sake sure. of the argument here. Uh, and then, you know, Justin Fields is playing the best game of his life. And I think what we started to see people say is, you know what? Maybe this offense doesn't need as much help as we think they do because you traded for Chase Claypool. Let's get complacent. But the last play of the game is exactly why you cannot do that. You, you can never have too many playmakers. And I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter after that game and all over the place about, hey, you know what? Let's. Put, push away wide receiver in the first round. Look at tackle. Look at edge. Look at three tech. Jalen Carter. I, I out of will Georgia. say. I will say. If you can get Skaronsky from Northwestern, you take him. <sighs> no. If you you take no. him, he's unbelievable. You take I, I him. don't. I don't see. Here's why. Okay. The, and and the, Kevin, here's my thing. The Chiefs showed you. You you can find wide receivers everywhere. The Chiefs yeah, but the Chiefs are a good example of that. But take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of a couple of years ago. Take a look at this, and this is the prime example. And I alluded to this. I was doing a TikTok live with someone. This is who the blueprint should be for the Chicago Bears as you approach next year. The Cincinnati Bengals, right? In their exact spot, they could have taken, or no, it was Sewell taken before them, right? They didn't have an option to take Sewell. Right. Right. So they were left yeah, with Jamar. It, but the Lions I mean, took him one pick earlier. Something like that. As, answer the question, Jake. Do the Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl if they had Penny? Or sorry, make it to the Super Bowl if they have Sewell instead of Jamar Chase? Probably not. Probably not. And yes, that's one example. But you can never have too many playmakers. And that last play of the game is a perfect example of of, of why. And and really, when I look at the offensive line, right? Because if this, if, if we say if for the sake of the argument, we'll say it comes down to tackle. Say it's Skaronsky or Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? You're on the board at wherever you're at. You could either take one of those guys, Skaronsky or Jackson Smith and Jigba, or, you know, Paris Johnson or Jordan Addison, right? Offensive line wide receiver. I look at the offensive line and I start to think, you know, you know, maybe this offensive line isn't that bad, right? You, you believe that Braxton Jones will probably still be the left tackle next year. He was a fifth round rookie this year, given the right development. I think they would be dumb to draft the left tackle super high and just replace him. That ja- that just wouldn't make sense from a value standpoint. We know this whole front office is about value. Then you look at, you know, Tevin Jenkins might be a pro bowler this year. He's playing really well. Lucas Patrick is going to be here at the center position. He's on a two-year contract. Whether you like that or not, you'll also have Doug Kramer back next year for the depth, but you're probably going to bank on Lucas Patrick being your center next year. Cody Whitehurst is also still going to be here at left guard. So then really you only need a right tackle, but you really – don't need it like it's not a gaping hole sure. but i guess neither is wide receiver it's not a gaping hole but i just look at it and i i think you can never have too many playmakers you can say say same thing about offensive line but i don't want us to get in a situation where we're seeing the offensive thrive the offense thrive we're seeing the points be put up the board we see the development of justin fields and we say oh we don't need it anymore no you need it right you can never have too many playmakers you're going to face good defenses and in that final play of the game if you replace equinemius st brown with the jackson smith and jigbo jordan addison you win that game it equates to wins when you have more playmakers give justin fields as much help as possible i know he's developing but you can never give these guys too many weapons and you see a majority of the best teams do that and the teams that don't 
end up regretting it. And and last thing I'll say, and I hand it over to you, is you think about some of the teams recently that have traded their big wide receivers. The Chiefs haven't looked great without Tyreek Hill. Like they've looked fine, but they haven't. They have not looked like the Chiefs of the past couple of years. The Titans didn't have a single reception from a wide receiver last night after trading AJ Brown. And yeah, Malik Willis, a, a young rookie who needs a lot of development uh, against a you know good Chiefs defense on prime time and Arrowhead, it's going to be tough for him. But not one reception. And I, I look, you just got to go get more playmakers. I'm going to die on this hill of hey, take a wide receiver in the first round, unless unless like a Will Anderson falls and you get really Lucky, but mm-hmm. that's where I'm at with that. I just, I just think the line is okay. I mean, tell me, like, if you had to put the position groups on, you know, against each other, which position group is playing better right now? It's probably the line. Yeah, I mean, but like, just yeah, you I can't mean, look at be, it that way. But you know, right when you we could split hairs any which way here. I mean, I that's just me personally. I think Skronsky could be a monster. Like, I think he could be a sure. Quentin Nelson type of lineman here. Like, I think you could get like one of those generational guys with him, but your point also makes sense. Like it just depends what you value, I suppose. Like, 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 let me ask you this. If I could guarantee you that the bears are going to sign Odell Beckham jr. Once the offseason starts, would you then be fine with them drafting Skronsky instead of Smith and Jigba? Yes. And I know your answer is gonna be like, Oh, we'll just do both. But like, if I told you that, no, 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 no. I would not. If they sign Odell Beckham jr. Do not draft at that point. You don't need to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. But at this given moment, yeah. And if it's not OBJ, even if it's Alan Lazard or Jacoby Myers, you still draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like none of those guys are moving the needle for you that much. So, right. That's what I mean. If you got like someone, a star in free agency or even via trade, who knows? That, but there is so no star. I, I think it's, I think, right. I know. It's fluid. It's like, it, I think it's very fluid. And obviously, you know, we're talking about this on, you know, November 7th. I think it's what you value. It, it just depends on. What direct, I mean, because there's definitely going to be people in your camp who are saying like, yeah, just get them playmakers and then figure out the rest from there. And there's people, there's going to be people like me who are thinking like, yeah, take the generational tackle. I like Braxton Jones. I think he's a fine player. I don't think he's Pete yeah. Sprodsky. Like, I, no, like not, and even yeah. Jones, he was drafted as a guard. So you can put him anywhere. Patrick even. Yeah, he's going to be here for another year, but he's also on the other side of 30. Cody Wager's on the other side of 30. Or no, Patrick's 29 or 28. But he's approaching, you know, if you could get a young generational tackle like that, you know, and and pair him with Justin Fields for a long time, I think you got to do it. But I also get that argument for Smith and Jigba, too, for a young dynamic playmaker. So it just depends what you value and what you would rather see, you know, the direction go. And, you know, obviously Justin Fields showed us yesterday uh, against the Dolphins that even if the line isn't great and the protection crumbles a little bit, he can get out of it. I mean, they didn't allow a sack until the third quarter. So it just depends on what you're looking for. So that is all thing. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's options. Yes, there are. Real quick about OBJ. You brought it up. And I just, I had this written down in my notes because I find it kind of interesting. He went on a podcast this week and it's worth noting that this is the week that he's supposed to be fully healthy, able to return. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, teams might come call in and he might sign a deal this week. That, that, that's the assumption. Now that he's healthy. Teams are waiting out to see where he's at, you know, do some testing, maybe get a trout or something. Teams see where he's at from a physical standpoint, and then they'll throw him the money that he's looking for. Um, and he name-dropped a couple teams in this podcast. He said, you know, whether it's the Bills or he, he actually name-dropped Green Bay as well, the Packers or, uh, or going to Dallas, he said, or back home to the Giants. He said he's looking for a place to be 
where a place you can call home for the next three to four years. He's like, I'm done jumping around. Like, I just want to settle down, look for a home three or four years, like be on a team. And he didn't mention there that he probably wants to go to a team that's going to be contending soon with a good quarterback, right? And you start to think about it. And when you think about those things, Chicago starts to actually seem like a pretty attractive destination. I mean, if he's been watching football on Sundays, yeah, he's not going to have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year, but don't get too greedy. You won it last year. And now you're a pro, you're, you're being put on a team where, you know, you only got nine games left this year. A team can pay you all the money you want. They're the most salary cap in the league right now. They can give you any money that you're asking for. You're going to have a young quarterback, young developing rising star throwing you the ball for the next four years. You can't say that about Daniel Jones. You don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be there in Green Bay uh, after this year. You know, Dak Prescott is is a very good quarterback. Um, who knows where he'll be in a couple of years. He'll probably be just fine. And of course, Josh Allen. But Chicago's the large market he's looking for. It, it, it fits his brand. They're a rising franchise. You come here, you be the hero. I'm just like, it actually makes, it makes a lot more sense now than it did last year when I was talking about these things. It makes a lot more sense now than it did even four weeks ago. But now that you see, hey, Justin Fields and OBJ, he can come here and be the guy for the next four years. And he, this is a place where he can settle down and they can, they have the money to do that. It's not a completely insane thing to rule out. That's, that's all I'm saying. Unless he's chase, unless he's completely chasing a ring again this year, then yes, the bears are not in question, right? Like that, that's not going to happen. But if he's really has a forward thinking mindset on this for the next couple of years, I would keep the I would keep the hopes up. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And I know you're not the biggest OBJ guy, or are you now? Because last year I presented no. this and you hated it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was cooked when he was in Cleveland, and then he got to LA, and it turned out, yeah, it was more of a product of his environment and Baker and how oh, those guys God. all stink, and that makes sense. Um, he started playing well when he got to LA. But I, the more this season goes on, the more I feel like he's just going to be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to sit this year out. You know, yeah, I know I get it. He just got cleared, but he just turned 30 over the weekend. Like if you're him and you have millions upon millions of dollars already, sit back, evaluate everything. And, and, you know, some of these guys obviously are driven by their love of the game. And I just want to be back out there and competing and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Totally get that. Maybe that's what he's going for. But the deeper we get into the season, like, do you really think anyone's signing him off the street week 13, 14, especially a playoff team that's, Right. That's what I mean. But we're rapidly approaching that. It's November. You know, we're getting to that point. So we might be approaching a spot where it's okay. I'm just going to sit this year out. You know, I'm going to get fully healthy. I'm going to start the rehab, you know, keep get going with my rehab. Obviously you started the rehab clear, <clears throat> but he might just be like, you know what? Going to keep pushing on the physical therapy on the rehabilitation and then do a, a workout or a showcase once the Super Bowl's over. And then we'll go from there. I agree with your point. Chicago seems like a destination. You know, you see some of the throws Justin Fields made against the Dolphins. Absolutely. I mean, Chase Claypool probably can't wait to learn for the rest of this playbook because oh yeah, uh, if not if not for a pass interference, Chase Claypool, or a non-call pass interference, I should say, Chase Claypool has one of the biggest plays of the game at the end of that game, obviously. So, you know, and if it is called, he still has one of the biggest plays. So, <laughs> yes, you know, Odebaco Jr. might be looking at this and be like, all right, Justin Fields can throw the deep ball, dynamic guy. You know, I think with the if the Bears do the right thing over the offseason, if they make the necessary moves and the correct moves and they push all the right buttons over the offseason, they could definitely be a 10-win playoff team next year, 100%. I am not as gung-ho about them being an NFC title contender as you or being a Super Bowl contender, but I will say the pieces are there for you to definitely make the improvements and make the jump to be a playoff. 
100%. Won't deny that. And that's, again, the product of the quarterback and how good he is in his ascent to being just the type of guy that can lift you up and drag the rest of the team with you. Now, it's up to you to surround those guys with I am de- – so to answer your question, no, I'm not against Odell Beckham Jr. potentially joining the Bears. I just don't think it will happen this year. Could be wrong, obviously. The Chase Claypool thing I was sure. completely wrong about. So it just depends. Uh, but also we're now seeing that – you know, and, and, of course, that was more about the defense. But, you know, this regime kind of being like, all right, we got to ship off some talent here so we can lose some more games. So I don't know. But, I mean, moral of the story – uh, moral of this first 30 minutes of the show being that you're here. You have the guy. I mean, you obviously were uh, working a little bit of Parkinson's Spiegel today. Like they had a QB one party. Like, and that's everywhere. That's not just on 670 of the score. That's everywhere. That's ESPN, all ESPN first take this morning. ESPN. I mean, first take Michael Irvin and Ryan Clark are losing their minds. And granted, Michael Irvin's a crazy person as it is, but him and Ryan Clark are on there losing their minds on the set of first take that Justin Fields is that dude. And now he can run, but he can throw and he's a baller and he's a gamer and so on and so forth. I mean, it's back to your original point that you have the guy, you have the most important position figured out. Now Mm -hmm. it's up to you to figure the rest out. And there's no reason to think that he can't continue this for the rest of the year. You have a cupcake matchup with the Detroit Lions that, Hopefully you lose because the Lions have something to play for. They're feeling good. They finally beat the Green Bay Packers. Finally got their second win of the season. The Bears are just happy to score points. I don't want them point. to lose. Yeah, you can't take my pride and, away and, by and, losing and then, the Lions. And, and, I'll, and I'll get back to that in a second. I don't want – like it's hard to root for losses. We covered this topic a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, the last couple weeks, the last two games especially, Dallas is a tough defense. Miami's an ab- above-average defense. I mean, they're yeah. not – you know, they're not terrible. So you continue that. Now let's see what happens in a couple. And it's not for a couple weeks because you have the Lions and you have the Falcons. But once you get to the Eagles, once you get to the Bills, and then we'll go from there and hopefully it continues and you feel even better come season's end, no matter how many games you lose. But one more note on this is something that we just touched on really quickly. Man, that last drive was like such a, a like hair, emotionally tearing oh drive God. because you're like, I want to see Justin Fields do something cool and lead a game-winning drive. And be. And I tweeted this. That was the ideal way to lose because Justin Fields was making all the right throws. And, like, it wasn't – it didn't end on a bad Justin Fields decision. It didn't end on the offense stalling out. It ended because Justin Fields made a tough pass but was a perfect pass right in the hands of your receiver that would have kept the drive alive and essentially ended the game because your receiver wasn't good enough to make the catch. That's the ideal way to lose because you're like – okay, well, I want the better draft yes. pick, but I'm going to root for Justin Fields doing awesome things, and if that's going to lead in a game-winning drive, okay, I'll take it. But it, that was ideal. That was exactly how you want to lose every single game the rest of the way. Like, you don't lose because of Justin Fields. You lose despite Justin Right. Like, that, You're right, but it was also extremely scenario. aggravating to watch right, that yeah, no-call. The no-call on, on, on Chase Claypool is just, I mean, I, I just – it's unacceptable. It, it, it is. It, it's truly unacceptable. I mean, it, I, I think the biggest problem was, I, I'm not sure if they did on this play, but I know they did in the Eddie Jackson PI that they did call that wasn't pass interference, or even if you did want to call that one, you better call it against Claypool, is they had a meeting with the refs after they threw the flag where you know they confer and they talk about it, and they upheld the call on the Eddie Jackson one. I don't know if they did it for the Claypool one, but my God, I mean, the ref is right there. You got four refs on the all five refs all over the field. You know, like 
talk about it. You just can't influence the game in that play. Let the players decide who's going to win, not these goddamn guys in stripes. I mean, it's just there's just no accountability for it. And sorry, it's just frustrating. I had to let off some steam regarding that. But I think the most important thing about that win, or sorry, about that loss, about that game that felt like a win. See, that's what we're is, at, though. It's it's basically a win. Know, like, we're sitting is. here like it's a it win. Is. That's why I started because you, my opening statement. Like, it's basically a victory really? Monday. Like, it's, it is. You're sitting here. You're sitting here feeling great about that game. And you are. And, any sports radio in Chicago mm-hmm. that you hear the same thing. And it, it, it's it's almost for me, like, again, yeah, it, people know where I stand on this and where you stand. It's like, I'm always going to root for a win because I'm a psycho Bears fan. And I, you know, I just, I just, that's just the way I am. But there's always that silver lining now. Like, now there's yeah. this great, so, like, there was no silver lining last year because, or, or, the, or the short it was, but the, or the years before, like, when you were losing, like, the, like getting a better draft position at the point, like, just, you didn't know what you were going to do with it. It didn't mean as much. But now, because you have a clear direction, like, you can root for that draft position because you know where this franchise is going. You know how it can directly help the future. But I'm still going to root for wins. And, like, it to be, it, now that we're at a point where the Bears might actually be a, I wouldn't say they're a good football team. They're a great offense right now, and the defense is, God, terrible. Uh, but they're a well-coached team. They're a great offense, and that can lead you to enough wins to make the playoffs in this day and age of, N- of the NFL. And, like, it's not even outrageous to me against some easier offensive opponents coming up because, you know, as much as the defense has been bad, they've also ran into two of the best offenses in the NFL the sure. past two weeks, and the Dallas 100%. Cowboys and the, and, the, and the Miami Dolphins. You have a really easy schedule coming up where if your offense is playing this well for the next four games, it is totally within the realm of possibility to win four games in a row. If Justin Fields continues to play this well, you got a couple more games at home. You go a road against, you go on the road against some teams that look good on the, uh, as far as the record, but really are, are, are probably, you know, very beatable teams in the Falcons and the jets. And then obviously the lions, uh, you have a real chance to go four and oh, and could be sitting at seven and six. Um, Going into, I believe, the game against the Eagles, Eagles at that yeah. point. Um, I, I like it's it's a more reasonable conversation to have now because you don't have to ask yourself, well, how how could they even win four games in a row? Like they'd have to get lucky for four games in a row. But you can now say, oh, Justin Fields and the offense could simply outscore the other team for four straight games. Like you you have the conf- I have the confidence in saying Although, that. So. I, I will say, I mean, looking ahead a couple weeks, I mean, the Jets' defense is. They seem pretty legit. They do seem pretty legit. You know, Sauce, like, Gardner, Sauce, is pretty good. Sauce Gardner is really good. He's that guy. He He's is him. Really good. Um, that is your defensive rookie. Of the so, year so sure, just so to paint a picture for our audience, Bears' next four games are home against the Lions, at Falcons, at Jets, home against the Packers. I, I definitely see two and two. I think it, it is going to be tough to keep up with this defense that you currently have. The Lions are going to score some points. I. Think. And oh. that's going to be a shootout. And that, like, oh, that, I don't know. I mean, the, the Lions' offense is pretty. Like, Amon Ross St. Brown is really good. DeAndre Swift, he's dealt with injuries, but he's pretty good. Jared Goff, say what you will, but he's a guy that can get you into the end zone. Like, it's, so, like, that's going to be a high scoring game, but that's going to have to be one of those games where if you want to win, especially at home, you're just going to have to outscore. Like, it, it's, it's going to be a shootout. You're just going to have to outscore. I kind of like, like, the Falcons at home, I agree, is winnable, but I don't think it's such a sure thing as we thought prior to the season. Like I think the Falcons have shown like they're halfway decent team, which I mean, the bears are arguably in that same, you know, sphere as well, but at Falcons is going to make that a little tougher. I think you lose the jets game just because that defense is unbelievable, but 
And then the Packers, I mean, who knows what the hell is going on there. Even if they're bad, there's always the chance that Aaron Rodgers just comes in and rips your heart out, obviously. But, I mean, two and two is definitely not out of the question. I mean, three and one isn't even out of the question here before you get in that slate of Eagles, Bills, Lions, Vikings to close the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, your point being, though, that stands like, this is just what it is. Like Justin Fields is that good over the last three weeks that you feel confident that he can just lead you to these wins and help the offense evolve. And I think that's the biggest thing for me because as good as Justin Fields was, Luke Getze called a really, really good game. Like Luke Getze was awesome yesterday for as much as he used Clay, like Claypool eventually will be used more like Claypool played, I think like a third of the snaps. That number is going to go up. It's going to be up yeah. more towards the high 80s and 90s. And hopefully as soon as next week is what would be the hope. Maybe it might take a little bit longer than that, but obviously that number is going to go up and up and up and up and up until he's at that point where he's on the field as much, if not more, than Darnell Mooney. Mooney played, I think, 86. But I've been saying it. Not to like hand myself, not to give myself flowers here. Oh, here we go. But we had the Cole Komet game. We finally had the Cole Komet game. And I said last week, this is what the Claypool acquisition does because it will open up everything else and it kicks guys farther down the totem pole. Cole Komet doesn't have to be the second option in this offense anymore. We don't have to put all these expectations on him like, oh, where rolls? Where's Cole Komet at? Why is he, you know, not taking these long receptions? Now it could be, all right, Cole Komet's in the intermediate passing game and taking, you know, catches for 12, 13 yards, eight yards, and that's good enough. And then occasionally he'll make the big play like he did on that first touchdown or the second touchdown. And, you know, we'll use him in these running packages because screw it, why not? That's what is happening. Luke Getze, again, this is more about Luke Getze than anything. Like, call a great game outside of, Scott brings it up in the chat, outside of the, the weird three screen passes in a row that was very bizarre. And it was I weird. Like it was so weird uh, and feel, felt really forced. But after that, like, how many times have we seen, you know, a Bears offense do that and then it just gets worse from there? Luke Getze, all right, didn't work, not going to go back to it. Great. Perfect. That might be like the crowning moment mm-hmm. of yesterday as far as the play calling goes. Didn't keep going back to this thing that clearly wasn't working, and he moved on. Ah, oh, chef's kiss. How how long have we been waiting for that? Hint, it's been our entire lives. So, <laughs> you know, that's the thing, though. But the Cole Komet game ha- happened. Like, you might have a, a really good tight end. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey. He's not going to be Prime Rob Gronkowski. He's not going to be Mark Andrews. But He's going to be a guy that can make some big plays for you, score some touchdowns for you, and just if he's the third option, and maybe once you add a couple more wide receivers, maybe the fourth option, or maybe you keep using him the way you did. But that's another playmaker that you're like, okay. And offensive players elevating their game and putting them in situations where they can succeed. Like Luke Getze yesterday put Cole Komet in a position to succeed and used him the way that we've been begging him to be used forever in the intermediate passing game and in the red zone. Yep. And look what happened. Career day. You know, has had three touchdowns now it, it, when we had one in the previous like year and a half combined, something like that. And it, like, he finally looked like the guy that you drafted. Probably not going to be a star again, but could be an above average tight end that Justin Fields can rely on and be a safety blanket. And that's really all you need. Like, that's what you need from him. You don't need him to be Travis Kelsey. You can add, uh, you like you added Claypool. You can add more guys. Just be solid. Like we thought you were nothing, but now you're showing us that you're at least solid. That's a huge win. He does, you know, who was the Rams tight end last year? Tyler Higby. Higby. Can he be yeah. Tyler Higby? 
Yes. yes. Can, can he be Dawson yeah. Knox for the Bills? Yes. Uh-huh. Like, though, like uh, you don't need a prolific. Like a Dallas Goddard. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, Dalton Schultz in, in Dallas. He can be those guys. Yeah, 100%. Like, it, the, the tight end position is so weird because there's such a drop-off between the top three right. and the rest. Like, with Mark Andrews, uh, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle, George Kittle I guess. Uh, yeah, he hasn't played that But, you know, here's what I was really impressed by. And, look, you called it. You were absolutely right about how it's going to directly impact their offense with Chase Claypool being there is, you know, they just found ways to get him open. Like, they, the way that they schemed Cole Komet open and designed plays for him was very reminiscent of how the Chiefs scheme open Travis Kelsey. Extre- like, and not just the way they scheme him open, the utilization. Like, they got to the point where they were taking direct snaps to Cole Komet. A direct snap to your tight end? What you, what yeah. world is this? What universe are we in? Like, who would ever think? But it's like, it's so easy. Like, you talk about making things easy for your quarterback. You know, run a couple pick routes where, you know, Kokomet chips at the line of scrimmage and then runs a quick speed out and he's open. And I, I don't know what the route concept was on the, tu- on the first touchdown um, uh, where Justin kind of rolled out and threw it across body again on the mm-hmm. run. Great throw. I don't remember what that route concept was, but you know th- that's exactly what the Chiefs do all the time. Just get him open, and and Cole Komet is not the fastest guy. He's not the most explosive guy, but he knows how to get yards after the catch. He will run you over. He will get you first down. That, who and, did he run over? That was oh my god, he bulldozed that guy. I I, I shrank back and my I was I was like oh god, <laughs> like, I, it he, was brutal. He bulldozed that Miami defender. And and look, I you know I I apologize. I, I also was uh, I think I was wrong about Kokomet, but he's another one where you just you just didn't know. Like you couldn't blame anyone for uh, you know we had never declared him a bust, but I was also always a proponent of hey they should have taken that. No, I was always I was also I was always a proponent of them taking Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, yes. I, I don't maybe well, that, I that was the thing. Bust, it was the hindsight factor. Right. It it was the hindsight factor. Um, but when you really thought about it, like. They were also not putting Cole Komet, you can use the same argument as we used for Justin Fields the first couple of weeks of the season and last year, not putting him in positions to succeed, right? Like Cole Komet was never a, a, a true, you know, great receiving tight end, going to go up and get it. He and, was never and, and Travis Kelsey. All. He was never Travis Kelsey. You know, you couldn't rely, you probably couldn't rely on him to get open on his own that often on, on one-on-ones, even versus a linebacker. Like he's mm-hmm. going to need to be schemed open and let him use his strengths, which is run after the catch. Like, you're not, you're probably, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think I was wrong. You're not throwing fade balls to Cole Komet. Like, that's just not who he is, I think. And I think they understood that. Um, but I, you know, and T3P podcast just brings it up. One of the most important things about these games and why we continue to call them moral victories is you're answering so many questions about where you really have to allocate your money and your draft choices. A week ago, we were talking about, well, hey, you're going to get a good look at Mike Gesicki, a guy who you think could be on your team next year. He's a free agent. You're going to need a new tight end. I don't know if you do. I, don't I mean, you, may, do. you probably draft a guy in the fifth round, but you sure as hell don't sure. spend money on you, a guy. You try to pair um, him with somebody, yeah. You pair him with somebody, but for sure, Cole Komet is that tight end one going into next year. Um, right. And there's been a lot of really decent tight ends in the league this year. You think about Kate Otten, uh, rookie. You know, I don't know when Kate Otten from the, the Buccaneers, the guy who caught the, you know, the huge play to get him into the field goal range and then the, the game-winning touchdown against the Rams yesterday. I don't know where he was drafted, but, you know, you can find – tight ends later in the draft uh, as we've seen this past year. So you're just, you're answering questions, fourth round. right? Fourth, fourth round, round for Kate Odd. Like it, you, you can find these guys. I think that's what they'll do is they'll probably draft a, a tight end in the fifth or the sixth. 
but you know now, like, hey, you don't got to spend $36 million probably or something like that on Mike Gesicki. Like, you're good. You're good right. with Cole Komet. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing to know. So we're learning a lot, man. I mean, there's – and going back, let's talk about Chase Claypool a little bit more. How about the impact on Darnell Mooney? I mean, he wasn't a yeah. huge receiving day for him, but I think you kind of saw different ways – um, of him getting open, obviously the touchdown. And, and I think just that impact of having Claypool out there is, is having a trickle down effect on a lot of the other guys on the roster. And that's huge. Yeah. And he didn't even, again, he played like 34% of the snaps. He didn't even play. He played less than half the snap. You know, was he it 34 for sure? Much. It was something like that. Because it felt Bain, lower. It, it did. It did. And, and maybe he was old, like, you know, maybe that's a product of some of Justin Fields' runs. And maybe, you know, obviously a couple of right. screen passes, like, it wasn't the big play home run shots that you were expecting when you were when we were talking about Chase Claypool last week, and I think that'll happen. But yeah, I mean, I think that you know that trickle down effect, like you're talking about, is only going to be more emphasized as we go forward. Like I think Cole Komet now, like you're going to see that a lot from him because he's going to be able to just sit there in that intermediate range and run across the middle of the mm-hmm. field, like you said, in that Dalton Knox role or that Dallas Goddard role, and he doesn't have to be the home run hitter. Because you have Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Those guys are your home run hitters. But the thing is, you know, it, it, like, look at the touchdowns. Like, look at that rumbling touchdown where he just dragged guys with him to catch and run to get the touchdown. Like, Cole can make some of those plays. It's just you're not counting on him to be the guy in crunch time to make those plays. He could come up with those plays here and there, and you'll take them, of course. But you're not being like, all right, Cole, go out there and win us this game. He doesn't have to be that guy. Exactly. Anymore. And granted, maybe no. he got a little bit of inflated heads when he was drafted because it was like second round pedigree. Everyone's like, oh, you know, he can, he's a great route runner. He's a great pass catcher. And he is. He's really good at the, both those things, but he's not Kelsey level. And of course, some of that goes in with he was doing all this work with George Kittle's TEU and, you know, <laughs> Brian, you know, kind of the hype train started. And then he kind of disappeared. And I was like, all right, well, you know, maybe time to move on. Now you're like, all right, you have a really solid tight end here. And you have the quarterback that can obviously elevate the play. And now you might just need a guy to pair him with to get him off the field for a breather every now and then. But Cole Komet, like, play, Cole Komet played, I think, every snap except like two or three on offense. Like, mm-hmm. he's, is, he's also that reliable guy that can stay on the field. So completely agree. But to your point about Darnell Mooney, I mean, that touchdown catch. What a grab. Like, what, a, what a catch. What a throw. Just unbelievable all around. And kind of we're starting to finally see over the last couple of weeks that connection that Darnell Mooney Justin Fields connection that we are so excited about coming into the season that we are so like here we go he's got his guy let's go you know they're doing Chipotle commercials together they're yeah, best right, buds right. and we're finally starting to see it and credit to the offense credit to Luke Getzey for adjusting credit to Justin Fields for you know obviously elevating his play over the last couple of weeks to your point that you made in the beginning of the show Kevin it took a little while, and we probably should mm-hmm. have expected that. Of course, mm-hmm. as Bears fans, we're very impatient. We don't know how to wait for anything. Evidence by me in week three or four saying Justin Fields might not be the guy. We don't know how to wait. We're always looking ahead. We're always looking at the grass is greener on the other side, you know, because that's what we've been conditioned to expect. That oh, well, it's just on to the next one because this clearly isn't working. Crap. Now we're here, and we're starting to realize that okay, maybe we just had to be patient. Maybe it just took a little while for Luke Getzey and Justin Fields to kind of mesh now that yep. they have now everyone else can start you know everything else gets lifted up with that so you still of course need you still need a star wide receiver I 
I think Chase, Chase Claypool can be really good. I still think you need a star. I, you still need offensive linemen. But to your original point that we made in the first you know, 10 minutes of the show, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. It seems like that you have this figured out. I'm confident that you do. You're confident that you do. Everyone in Chicago is confident that you have that figured out. The passing yards will come. Look at the most important part. Through three touchdowns. The yep. key guys. Forward. like these are. This isn't just one-off, you know, heaves to Dante Pettis on a broken play. These are design plays, perfect throws, catch and runs, and then, you know, also a long touchdown run to boot. Like, everything is kind of coming together. And, yeah, you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. You might not even make the playoffs. You probably won't make the playoffs. Probably going to end up in the top 10 of the draft. But imagine uh, imagine how we feel right now after that loss against Miami. There's a real chance that after the last game against the Vikings, you enter the offseason feeling like that. Like, there's a very real chance you enter the spring or, you know, end of winter, whatever you want, however you want to frame it, with this kind of feeling that we have right now for the offseason. And that's before you even yes. near the top of the draft. And then you feel even better, you know, and, you know, to kind of get, you know, you referenced 2018. Prior to 2018, we were on this show being like, you know, Cleo Max, great, awesome signing. You know, still temper expectations. We'll settle for 10 wins. And then you went and you won, you know, uh, 12. And you were a great team. It kind of feels like you could be that again, where no matter what, I'm going to be going in beating the drum of 10 wins. Because that, that's just who I am. If you've been listening and watching the show for as long as you have, you know, that's always me. I'm going to like, I think there's improvement. I think the see, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be saying next year, next summer, that 10 wins is the ceiling. Would love ceiling? Probably. Like, general ceiling. Like, peak, peak, tippy top, yeah, probably 12 wins again. But expectation, I'm going to say, like, 9, 10 wins. And you're going to be here, and you're going to say, no, we're winning 13. We're no, winning I won't 14. say 13. I won't like, say 13. No, that's But insane. just the di- that's the dichotomy of the show. Sure. And to T3 podcast point, you know, you can't pay stars at every position. Yeah, but at this point, like, we have to kind of throw that out there because we don't know where that money is going to be out. So when I say, oh, you can pay this guy and you can pay that guy, I'm not saying they're going to pay every single one of these guys. I'm just listing the options there because we don't know how they're going to use that money. We know they are going to use it. It's just a matter of who and when and how they use that money is more of the point that we're making there because, again, you're in one of the best financial situations in the NFL heading into the next offseason. But back to my original point, how we're feeling after this Miami game, there's a real chance you have that feeling all winter. Yeah, or, and, and, right, and all winter slash spring. Don't temper your expectations. Like, there's no reason to to temper your expectations about what Justin Fields can be and what this team can be. You don't even know, as a fan of this team, how far a good quarterback can take you, how it can take this team. We don't even know that yet. But you've seen it with other teams. You've seen what it can do for the Chiefs and the Bills and, and you know, the Ravens and the Packers over the years. Sure. And, and and you know what, what, it, what can be done. And I'm not going to stop raising – you know, the expectations and, and shooting for the the, the stars with, with Justin Fields and his development. And the thing I was thinking about today, again, Jake, I'm getting hooked on TikTok, bro. I don't even know if you saw it, but the comments are destroying me for raising the question last week of can he be a top three quarterback in the NFC next year? And all of a sudden, everyone's coming back to those comments today saying, oh, shit, he might have been right. Like when you think about it, and it's not just next year, Jake. Take what has happened in the past three games. Again, look at the teams in the NFC. I, I can imagine. Every team in the NFC North, and yes, this includes the Vikings, a majority of the teams 
in the NFC West, aside from the Seahawks probably, almost every team except for maybe Seattle right now because Gina's playing well, the Eagles and the Cowboys would probably rather have Justin Fields as their starting quarterback than their current quarterback right now. I mean, you can go down the list of the teams in the NFC, right? I You could say what you want about the Vikings and Kirk's getting iced out and dripped out. You probably would still rather have Justin Fields, all right? They're just a good team all around. The Packers, you probably would rather have Justin Fields over Aaron Rodgers after what had happened last week. The Lions, you'd rather have Justin Fields, right? The Rams, Justin Fields is playing better than Matthew Stafford, playing better than Jimmy Garoppolo, right? The, the 49ers, the Cardinals, playing better than Colin Murray. You go down the list. And, and the reason why I'm not going to re- temper my expectations is because if the Bears win next year and Justin Fields continues to put up these incredible rushing performances, even if the passing yards aren't there, we brought up the MVP numbers for Lamar Jackson in 2019. 3,100 passing yards. The passing total and yardage doesn't matter. He had 36 passing touchdowns. And that's why you keep saying it doesn't matter that he had 100 and what was it, 38 passing yards or something? He right. had three touch, three passing touchdowns, you know? And Lamar rushed for 1,200 that year. I think Field is on pace to rush for the exact same total, if not a little bit more. I actually year. did look at this this morning. He's at 402 today. Who? Fields? Fields, yeah. No, he's at more than that. He's at like 608 or something. I'm pretty sure. Check and, the yeah, no, no. The, he's, he had like four. He's had 400 over the last three weeks. He has. Okay, you're right. He's at, he's at 602. You're right. Yeah, 602. He's at 602. Um, and actually, right. I wrote this down. Well, let's play a game real quick. And I don't know if you saw my, okay. if you saw my tweet, then, it, then it's broken. I'm going to give you a player, and you're going to tell me if you believe this player has more or less rushing yards than Justin Fields on the season. Okay. Okay, I saw I saw your QBR one. I don't think I saw this. Okay, no, this I I don't no. This is this is pure rushing yards. Uh, who does this player have more or less rushing oh, yards than Justin okay. Fields? Aaron Jones. More. I did I less. did see this one. I I did see less. This one. Oh, I thought Justin Fields has more. Justin Fields, yes, Justin Fields has more. Justin Fields, so, yeah, he has more than Aaron okay. Jones, Joe Mixon, Kenneth uh, Walker. I mean, you go, you give the list. I'm not going to remember it all off the time, but I did see this. <laughs> and now again, it is worth noting that the Bears have not had to buy, and some of these teams have had a buy, but still, it's it he's a quarterback, not a running back. So, you know, take a, take that factor into consideration. Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Kenneth Walker, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Najee Harris. Like those are all guys taken in the first round of your fantasy draft. And Justin yeah. Fields has more rushing yards than them. And that's why I started Justin Fields in fantasy this week. And boy, did I need that because I wouldn't have won <laughs> otherwise uh, if I started Joe Burrow. So I feel like a genius now for finally uh, for drafting him. But I don't remember. Oh, the point of this is if Justin Fields continue to put together historical performances and passing for touch, you know, four total touchdowns a game and all, all these different things. I'm going to get crucified for this. There is a legitimate chance he's in the conversation to win the MVP next year. If he continues to play this okay. way and the Bears are a winning all team. Right. All right. I don't it's not all a lofty right. thing to say. It is not a lofty thing to say at all, okay. Jake. Who's the MVP frontrunner this year? Tell me. Who's the clearing away MVP frontrunner this year? Do you I even mean, have an answer? I, I get I get what you're going for. but I'm going to go for it because that's what he can be, Jake. That's what he can be. I, I, okay. And you believe that too. You just said it earlier. Uh, you believe he can be that. Event- I'm not going to say next year. But yeah, yes. Why not? Because I want to wait and see what they do. Like I, I'm not going to say that now, not knowing what the offensive line, what the wide receivers are going to look like. That's all. That that's okay. my that's my point. That's a that that's fair. That's I, fair. I won't sit here and say but, that right now. That's okay. all. I think it's I'm a just, a little. 
<laughs> and oh, here's one more thing for you. Okay. One last thing for you. Say the Bears win the next four, get to seven and six. Say they even end at eight and nine, but Fields continues to play this well. And you start to see the Vikings taper off a little bit. The Seahawks taper off a little bit, regress to the mean, which will likely happen for both of those teams. Is he a Pro Bowler this year? Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. He, he and, probably, and I don't even know about so, Dak. If he plays like this, he might end up because you're always going to get guys who elect not to play. So I, I like Alternate. he might be, yeah, he might be just because he gets voted after guys bow out and guys in the Super Bowl don't play, but it doesn't get selected right away. I don't know. I mean, sure, it's definitely possible. If if the last three weeks I mean, are, can any you believe what we're saying here? Yeah, it, crazy i mean this is what we were hoping for though this is what you were hoping for you know so we'll see um all in all moral of the story you lose the game but you feel great (laughs) like you lose you lose the game but you feel great about the general direction of the chicago bears because at the end of the day it seems like they found the quarterback seems like they found a guy that can be top three quarterback in the conference it seems like they found a guy that can be that electric playmaker that ends up winning you the game and not just the game manager and not just the guy that just simply gets you there and you hope someone else makes that big play. It seems like you have the guy that can make the play. It seems like you have the guy that can do that and elevate the rest of the team and drag the rest of the team up with them, even if they're a little bit lacking. So ideal way to lose. I know losing sucks and nobody wants to root for losses, but ideal way to lose. <laughs> Hopefully the rest of the games go that way and you lose that exact same fashion for the rest of the year, but I know obviously it's not fun to root for losses. That being said, we will be back on Wednesday to preview the Bears upcoming matchup against the Detroit Lions. First matchup of the year against the Lions. They're coming off their second one of the season. Motor City Dan against Matt Eberflus. Bears versus Lions. So we'll be here on Wednesday to break that down, go through all the matchups, give our bold predictions, give our score predictions. You know the drill. This has been Bears Nation Podcast. Thank you for everyone who came and commented and was watching live. You guys are always the best. We love our regulars. Thank you to everyone listening on the podcast. We appreciate you just as much. We love all the people on TikTok who are always commenting, all the people on Twitter who are always commenting. You guys are all the best. We appreciate every single one of you all the same. You are all very precious to us. And that's why we'll see you on Wednesday to break down Bears versus Lions. See you there. And as always, bear down. Bear down.